0: I'm Asan and this is the Friday Show. Been another busy week in City World and joining me to look backwards and forwards I've got the chairman of the board, Stefan. Welcome, mate. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Very well. Very well. Thank you. Um, yeah, feels like it's been another busy week. Eventful week as well. Uh, before we talk about the football, I think we're going to have a final word on the transfer window. Uh, I, I see today that Mares is still... Not training and is still AWOL. Um your thoughts on the Mares situation and then just the transfer window as a whole, January. How do you think it's played out for City?
1: You mean his strike? Or or the player himself and our targeting of him?
0: Um I, I think the player himself and our targeting of him, I'm interested in in
1: Well, in... I I A few weeks ago, I just, I did think he was, he looked like a player that I thought Pep could do a lot with. Mm. Um, Look, he's not been the same player since the the title. I think, I don't know why he signed the new contracts. I mean, obviously, I know that it was quite nice to double his wages, but at that point, I think he should have left. I think he's wasted two years of his career. And, uh, you know, he's been okay in patches, but I do think that inside is a really, really good player. And uh, I, I wasn't massively surprised that they were after him. Uh, I know that you know people will say that it was it wasn't last minute, and they've looked at him. But you know, if we really wanted him, I suspect we could have got him if we'd have done it in a different way. So I'm not. I, d- I don't like running around at the end of a window trying to no. sign a player. I, ju- I just I think it's. Uh, you'll argue all day long with me, but I think he does show a, a lack of planning and I, I just don't think we needed to do it. I don't think he was necessarily a reaction to the sauna injury, but clearly they've had in their mind they need another forward for quite a while. Mm. And if Mahrez was that option, we know that Mahrez is a player that's gettable. It's just about the money you're prepared to pay or the deal you're prepared to do. So leaving it so late, I don't think it was a brilliant move. But look, it's not the end of the world. I think for him... If you can get fined two weeks' wages, you might as well have a bit of time off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, no point in rushing back, is there? Yeah, that was a very good point. Listen, I, I want to ask you about the transfer window in general because, because you're a smart guy and I'm trying to get my head around how clubs, managers, agents deal with the transfer window in the sense that... Now, I've not got any statistics to hand, but I would imagine that a significant percentage... Of transfers in every window, like more than fifty percent are done in the last forty eight hours the last seventy two hours of the window, which to me is beginning to beg the question of what's the point in the window like to to whose benefit you, you, you see the you see what I'm getting at well, here?
1: I, well i think it I think it's changed, so I think this window is very different from quite a few windows. I think, first of all, you split January windows and summer windows. They're totally different. Mm -hmm. So the way people buy players in the summer versus the way they buy them in January. And the reason that they do those deals, completely different. I think we took a slightly different view this time and actually said, you know what, we've got hyperinflation in the market. If we can actually get some of the players that we were targeting for the summer now, why wouldn't we? So that was Laporte. That was Fred. Obviously, Fred didn't happen. I agree with Sam that logically... What should really be happening now is they basically should be signing him yeah. and announcing that the deal's done, but obviously he doesn't join till um, till the summer. Uh, I don't know whether you can actually announce it, but either way, you can still do the deal. Um, so I, I think there was a change. And, I, I, and then in terms of the overall window, I mean, there was a lot on – I didn't see all of it, but on the debate show last night with um, Carragher and Neville were talking about this, the statistics are really – very stark January historically has not been a big window. And this went, this this window, it was massive. Uh, And it was not only massive. Generally, it was massive at the top six. And that's really unusual. And I think that, that for me is about the change in that top six. There's no, no, not one of the top six, except for ourselves is guaranteed to be there. Yeah. And that makes a big difference, you know? So, Chelsea cannot just relax and say, "Well, that's, that's why he's probably fine. Maybe you know, maybe we'll get away with it." They actually can't do that. They they have to take action because they know that Spurs are closing, um, and even Arsenal could still put a run together. I mean, they're a long way behind, but they still could put a run together. So they have to move. So and I, so, I think that change at the because there's now six teams going for four. I think we've seen some of the tactical buying. Um, I think the reason the deals all happen at the end is is because of the complexity of those deals that were done in this window. But it, I, I think my my biggest problem with it, as far as City are concerned, is I don't think we needed to play this game. So, you know, we we had if you look at where we were, let's say on the twentieth of December. Yeah, we had a clear run at Sanchez if we paid, let's say, thirty five million quid to Arsenal. I think. You know, I think it's pretty hard to argue that that was the case. Yeah. And we decided we weren't going to do it and we were going to do something different and we were going to effectively call Arsenal's bluff and we were going to say to Sanchez, just stick tight. And for whatever reason, we didn't read the signs very well from Sanchez and his camp. And clearly Sanchez was not prepared to wait another six months. Uh, and, and that opened the window. And once you open the window, then things things can change. Um I think the other deals, you know, I think Laporte was just. I, th- I think their view probably changed over time because if it didn't, they would have done it on the first of January. Why not? If you paying them, you know, it, the, the fact we did it right at the end of the window tells you their view definitely changed because mm. we paid the fee, we paid the we paid the clause, mm. and that's a clause that we could have paid on the first of January. So something changed in in respect of that, and I suspect it was. I, I suspect it was Coutinho, it was Sanchez, it was the the raging hyperinflation in the market.
0: Do you think that um looking at the looking at the inflation in the market in general and looking at the what I believe is a is a subtle shift in power back towards the clubs. I feel as though over the last 10, 15, 20 years historically the narrative is that contracts aren't really worth the paper that they're written on that players and their agents have the power I feel as though over the last two or three years, whether it's, a, whether it's a short-term thing or a long-term thing, you feel that clubs, particularly in the Premier League, where there's so much financial, there's just so much money, um, that clubs are beginning to dig their heels in. And I feel as though the power has shifted slightly. Now, I'm going to use Mara as as an example. Now how does in future do you see do you see how how do agents deal with the mares situation or the van dyke situation from last summer or the john stone situation from two or three summers ago where everton dig their heels in after chelsea spend the whole summer bidding for him and everton just go, we're just not going to sell him yeah is that something that, that players and agents can do to kind of bring that swing back, well, the power I, no, back I, towards them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. You know, There, there does seem to be a change in, in people's stance and the balls that these teams have got. And I think, to me, that's because of two things. One, the clubs are more financially stable. Mm-hmm. So they've got more money, right? They're more profitable. There's lots of money swelling around in the game. So they're not forced sellers. And when you're not a forced seller, well, you can just say no. The second key factor for me... Well, actually, it's probably three factors. The second key factor for me is that actually players' value is not diminishing from lack of performance over six or even 12 months. I mean, we just talked about Mahrez. Mahrez has not been the same player for now, best part of two years since his peak. Uh, John Stones was awful in that final season. Um, Van Dyke barely played for a year. Um, so, and yet on none of these occasions did their price fall. Yeah. If anything, because of the hyperinflation in the market, the price increased. Mm -hmm. And that's really what you're seeing with Leicester, I think. You know, Leicester are taking a view that they don't need to do a deal now. It's not the deal they want to do. They'll wait. And you know what? The biggest risk? Probably they get the same money that they would have got in the summer. And actually, the likelihood is they'll get another 15 or 20 million quid more. So they're not under pressure to sell. Uh, now, what happens if the market swings back, and uh, maybe there's a change in financial fair play rules, or maybe the TV deal doesn't increase one time? You know, we've lived in a, a world where the TV deal has gone up every single time for the last twenty years. If that changes, then you'll see a change in stance.
0: Mm. Do you think? Do you envisage a situation where we begin to see more? release clauses agents demanding release clauses um to try and i guess counteract the the hyperinflation because it's a, it's a weird it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a vicious circle for me this whole idea of hyperinflation because it's a little bit like I uh, uh, you know if leicester charge 90 million pound for mares then when they go and buy next player that that the that Hyperinflation has if affects everybody. It doesn't just affect the big clubs. Um, And I'm I'm just that I feel as though maybe there's points of principle being scored by clubs where the actual business decision is it's maybe not so smart. Like if you basically if you take an extra twenty million uh, publicly take that, then the the next club that you go to publicly know that you've got that. Extra twenty million. You yeah, see what I'm driving but at?
1: Yeah, but Leicester are stuck anyway, right? Which <laughs> we've come to do the deal in the last three days of the window, so they can't buy anybody. Yeah. They're, they're buying whether they get sixty or eighty. They're buying in the summer, so it's not going to. I I think I don't believe many of these deals are about principle. They're business decisions, and they're taking a view overall that they have a value for a player. They're not selling below the value. And they 're not particularly worried that they 'll get less in six months' time and mm. um, and when you put that together, people are relaxed uh i 'm not sure uh, there's always a price but but this market you were talking about, and these sorts of deliberations are no different from the housing market and a booming housing market and when a, mar- a housing market is booming, you sell them sell your house at the top of the market, you know you're still you 're going to be buying in the top of the market so mm.
0: Um you know just to go back to the 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 question i asked you about release clauses do you see do, do you see that being pushed more? because it's also a way to uh control hyperinflation across well you're going the, I Premier
1: think the League. player takes a the player takes a hit though right so i th- i think you know with someone like mares if if mares is properly advised 2 years ago when he signs that new contract he's got a release clause
0: yeah
1: but to get the release clause, he might have to take 10 grand a week off his salary. Now, is he, does he want to do that? Mm. Probably not. You know, and that's, it becomes a negotiation, doesn't it? They say, right, well, we're definitely not going to pay you 110 if you've got a release clause at 50 million quid. We'll pay you, if you want a release clause, we'll pay you 100. or we'll pay you 90 because, mm. you know, that's, that's, the, that's the deal. And all of a sudden he goes, no, I'll just take the 110, thanks, and I'll take my chances. So I don't know if... I mean, release clauses are big in Spain because they're mandatory, aren't
0: they? Yeah, but that's... I'm trying to... I'm wondering whether if they were mandatory in England, whether it would help to control the... Because I just... I I think part of the problem is that, like, you know, Guilfi Sigurdsson going for... Like, people talk about the bigger clubs causing hyperinflation. But really, when Sigurdsson's going for 50 million and, and, you know, you can go back two years when people were bidding 35 million for Troy Deeney, that gives, you the, it gives me the sense that it's not a case of the top six clubs causing hyperinflation. It's a case of there being so much money in the Premier League, the TV rights are so big, the clubs have got so much power that they're hyperinflating their own players, the values of their own players by going, well, we don't need the money so we can demand this much. But if everybody does it, nobody wins. Does that make sense to you?
1: Yeah, and it, but, you know, again, that, that is like the housing market. I mean, you know, the inflation drips down. I mean, yeah. you know, because it filters down. The one thing that's interesting to me, though, is if you look at, uh, if you, you, and I haven't got it in front of me, I can pull it up as we talk, but if you look at the top five January transfer window deals in Germany, you'll see there's a massive difference. I mean, the players are not trading anywhere near British-style levels. Yeah, And, you know, top players. So that kind of argues against you know it it complicates the argument because we are the the British game is is paying inflated prices for very average players i mean uh, you know and, and not not on a european basis so there is there is clearly an issue where the british club comes knocking and all of a sudden the price changes yeah, um, yeah. so I but you know, you would think the market is the market, and will sort it, will overall sort itself out. But I, I think there's there, there is inflation across the market. I think teams are generally relaxed because history tells them they're not going to be. It's not going to hit them. Mara's, people will still want Maras in the summer, and the price won't be lower. Or if it is, it won't be materially lower than sixty. So what's the risk? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So can't spend fair. the money today anyway. So we, you know, we gave them a situation where they weren't going to be able to spend the money.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, on the flip side, you could argue Leicester should be, you know, Leicester have nearly sold Mares for three windows running, so they should, they must have a plan. They must have an idea of when Mares goes, what they do. But then the fact that they asked for Patrick Roberts uh, as part of the deal suggests that maybe they don't. And maybe that's why they wanted Roberts, because it's a very, very obvious like-for-like replacement. But again, the price has gone up every time for Mares, hasn't it? Right? It's probably 40, 50 million the last three windows. It, it has gone up. It
1: has so, definitely so, gone up.
0: So, you know, they've not lost. And they've had oh, the no, player. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not saying that Leicester have lost by any stretch of the imagination. It's just more... I'm more interested in... I sort of look at this, this situation and I go, well... Under normal circumstances, I'd be saying, you know what, tough shit, Mares, because you're under contract, mate, and that's just the way it goes. You sign a contract, you, you know, more or less, the club, the club, club can enforce it. I think where I feel things are beginning to change slightly is because of the hyperinflation. You're looking at a guy like Mares and you're going, well, you know, he he's not on De Bruyne's level. I mean, he's a very, very, very good player. But he's not a Kevin De Bruyne's level. We only signed De Bruyne like two, three years ago. So the the idea that, that Mahrez comes in at 70, 75 million just seems like he's good, but he's just not that good. That, I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. And probably in the end, that's why City have walked because they've gone, well, as good as he is. Do we want, you know, the everything that comes with spending 80, 90 pounds on a player who we just don't think is is at that level.
1: And also we don't have a need, right, of that level. Okay. Yeah. So we we'd quite like it, you know, see they were probably yeah, we'd quite like him. It's kind of seven out of ten. It it, it would it would fill we've got a bit of a a, a mini problem with injuries. It it'll just help pushes a little bit, possibly could be worth a couple of goals in in some key games. Uh, You know, we quite like him. We don't want him that much. We don't Mm. want him, you know, and to pay 75-80 is is a player that you want 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10. Just don't want him that much. And and ultimately, I think it was pretty similar with the Sanchez situation. They wanted him, but they didn't want him that much. And that's Mm. why they drew a line at some point. I mean, I think they got it wrong on Sanchez, but... Um, you know not going to do that one again but they have a line
0: yeah yeah and I think you know I mean Guardiola kind of he did it again after the West Brom game he spent you know five minutes in that press conference talking trying to argue or explain that he has a budget that he does have to work to and that you know he, he just there's a ceiling for any transfer which, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's... Uh, I know it's something that you've often hammered home to people when they've said, now, City don't have a budget, they can spend what they like, they don't need to sell, all that sort of stuff. You've often said, look, they have a budget, they have to have a budget. And, uh, it's, just,
1: it's just always been obvious they have yeah. a budget. I mean, you know, that, that's not a surprise. But, uh, you know, I think each time you have to look at these deals and go, right, well, how much do we want in? What's our price? Is this one where we'll go, you know what, just give him another ten million quid because actually it's going to make a difference. Mm. I don't think Moros was that player. Um, I think there are, you know, there, I think they probably had a similar debate on Laporte. And what happened was over the so over the window. So they had that debate probably on the twentieth of December and went quite like him, but not enough to pay the sixty-five euros. And then sometime during the window, they looked at it and went, "Actually, let's just pay the extra five ten million euros." because we can get him now the market's going to be even higher his, his clause is going up let's just pay it and i think it changed and i think mm. you've always got that you know you've always got that line and and um i, I think mores we were we were so far away in the end that i never really thought it was going to be done
0: no i mean it did it did feel like when you saw those figures being bandied about on deadline day it did sort of feel like i just can't imagine Manchester City announcing, you know, basically for me I felt like they're not going to make him their record signing. I just I, I Yeah.
1: Even- uh, it's what you said before, it's the wrong price, right? We know it's the wrong price. Yeah. Even in the hyper even in this hyper inflationary market. Yeah, okay, you could say well, actually is he is he that much worse than than Coutinho? So actually maybe it's not the wrong. But Coutinho was the wrong price. It's just yeah. a crazy, you know,
0: it's a crazy number. Yeah, totally. And I just, I I think that there's a, a, I think from City's point of view, like you say, ultimately there just wasn't that need, which, you know what? That's a nice segue actually, because it actually gets reinforced on the night how little the need is because we go and play West Brom and win and United lose and the gaps and Chelsea lose. So the gap between City and United is now 15 points with one less game to play. Um, I don't
1: think they ever f- feared that they were buying the player for the league. I think there's only, only us as fans think there is a realistic no, sorry, there is a possibility of dropping a 12- point lead yeah. from the end of January. okay? I, I don't believe they think there's any doubt about the league, and I don't believe they doubted it for some time. So I think the, the purchase of Mara's or another forward. Would only really have been about the fact that we're in four.
0: Yeah, the fact that we're in for we're we're, we're in for four competitions and and yeah. really like like you say that oh. well, the Champions League having the extra players the extra bodies for the for the Champions League and being able to rotate would make a difference.
1: And uh, not notwithstanding not the, the West Brom performance, and we can come on to talk about it. And I thought we were very
0: good. The bench is not the bench is a worry. No. Well, let's talk, actually, let's talk about the, let's start with the, with the bench where, because it's interesting. That's when you say the bench is a worry, you mean it's a worry in the sense that when you look at that bench, there's not, if, if there's a game that needs to be changed and needs to be won, there's nothing on the bench that can change it or win it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we were fortunate in some respects that the the injury that we get is to Silver, and uh, Gundown is the best we've got on the bench. So he yeah. comes on. Yeah. Okay, so not not a big, you know. Already the game is in a is in a rhythm. Already we you know we're playing very very well. Already West Brom are not at the races, no problem. Yeah, striker, no option at all. Yeah, centre half. He ends up playing. There's no way he wanted to play Laporte after 45 minutes training last
0: mm.
1: night uh, on 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 Wednesday night he plays him because stones goes down he looks at it he goes hang on a minute <laughs> we've only got company and he can't play yeah. so i'm going to have to play la porte yeah
0: um,
1: and we we are down to bare bones i mean we've been you know we've had, we've had some bad injuries now you know long term bad injuries this season um
0: just play devil's advocate had... just play devil's advocate for a second though Stefan. bearing in mind that um not that not that Ball are a terrible team but bearing in mind that the next round of the draw of the champions league for us is relatively straightforward and if i take on face value what you said that the league is simply not a consideration because we we can we're not going to throw this lead away then actually we seem to have the window to get the players back before the quarterfinals of the champions league because really we're talking about four weeks for for Jesus we're talking about maybe I, to be honest with Sane I've got a worry that he won't play football for us again this season. I appreciate they've said 6 weeks, 2 months but it just feels like it might be a bit bit close with that one. Um so do you Well, you well he,
1: hang on but why is it not close with Jesus? I mean he's also not not on target. He wasn't playing particularly well before. You've got then a period of I don't know how many weeks to get actually fit. So that's two of them, right? So two key forwards. Um, I don't know. You haven't asked your question.
0: Now. I cut across you. No, but the the, was, the but, point, the the only point that I was making was that we have time to get these players back before the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So, well, you have just said it's touch and go. I mean. It's- It's touch and go and it assumes we don't get any other injuries. Well, no, you've just taken... Hold on, hold on. You've just taken the worst possible outcome, right? Which is that Jesus is... Because Guardiola said four weeks in the press conference and then when he was picked up on it, he went, no, 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 hold on. Like, I don't know. It could be up to four weeks. Ask me again on Friday and I'll I'll ask the doctor between now and then and I'll tell you exactly how long it's going to be so with Jesus the feeling is in the next month he's back playing football do you you believe what you just said there? yeah totally because
1: if he didn't you don't believe that he's asked the question and that he's in basically daily contact where the hell is Jesus look at my bench I've got no strikers where is he where is he? you don't believe that he
0: knows I know loads of managers that just don't bother with players that are injured and I know that Guardiola's like that he just he'll he'll have an idea of roughly when he's back, but until he's actually kicking the football, it's not really that important, is it? So I think that he's maybe a week, 10 days away from kicking a football, and then they'll see from there. But the point I'm trying to make again is, if we're talking about the depth of the squad, if we're talking about the fear about the depth of the squad, I think it's only fair to acknowledge if the league is wrapped up, and because of the favourable draw that we have in the um, round 16 of the Champions League, it's not quite as pressing as it would be if these players went down 4 weeks from now where then you'd be talking about maybe the season being over
1: well look that's definitely right okay so so what you've just said is definitely right and we are in a privileged position in terms of our position in the league and actually also the draws that we have Generally, so that includes the FA Cup, yes. Um, so, um, I definitely agree with you there. We're, we're quite contingent now on no further injuries and the players returning on at least a reasonable time scale, yes. And you know, we've got another injury, Silva's gone down, you know, he's been in and out anyway. Uh, I, I suspect a bang on the back is not something that means he, I don't think he'll be risked on tomorrow, so. Uh, so that's a big that's a big blow.
0: Um, yeah, but, but I, just, I, I don't think injury, injuries don't happen to Man City in a vacuum. I appreciate what you're saying there, but like that's you can you can look across any squad in Europe, and you can go, well, you know, they've lost this guy and this guy, and they've lost this guy and this guy. It's just that's uh, to to a greater or a lesser extent, when you spend the sort of money that we've spent building the squad that we've built, our squad is stronger than ninety nine percent of the squad in Europe, so I just for me it, obviously this conversation began with the transfer window for me, if we go back to the idea that we needed another forward, the fact that we didn't get one is problematic because that's where I feel that we're a little bit weak, but at the same time it's not the end of the world that's that's how I feel anyway no,
1: I, I, look I think we all we, we would all share that uh we probably could have had exactly the same discussion about center half if we'd absolutely had to. In the same way, because you could just say, "Well, hang on a minute. If we don't get any more injuries to Stones or Otamendi, we'll be fine." Um, and you know, company can play a few games, and Mangala can come in for the for the FA Cup game. And we're just about we'll we'll just about scrape through, and we've got better players than the rest. So the same thing applies to centre half. But we decided to buy a centre half. I just think we're a little bit light, and um, it's not the end of the world. Every team has to deal with injuries, but I do think that if we'd have had uh, another forward. It could, and I'm not saying it would, but it could just have been worth a late goal, uh, you know, 15 minutes, whatever. It just could have been a bit better. Yeah. Uh, it could have given us, we, we are in a unique situation. It may never ever happen to us. We're in four competitions on the 1st of February uh, with good draws and in the final of one of them. Mm. Well, look, it may I never think- happen again.
0: I think the thing is that we'll only be able to judge this in hindsight, yeah? Because we're not out of any of those competitions right now. So for the moment, there is a risk that the weakness in the front line and the injuries that we have means that we miss out on one of those trophies. Um, But we don't know. You know, and what we do know is that the Premier League, which is the most imp- or was the most important one, is wrapped up, or more or less wrapped up. So it affords us a little bit of, of breathing space. Definitely,
1: look, it's I, wrapped up. By the way,
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> look, come on. If you say that, then I'm. If you say that, I'm going with it. I'm it absolutely is, going with it. it. Is,
1: this is completely wrapped up. The only question now is, can we bank, particularly in the next two games? If we can bank six points, um. You know, I think we can start to really flex the squad in some of these in some of these league games between now and end of the season.
0: Yes, I think that's what we need to get to sooner rather than later. Look, um, I want to talk briefly about West Brom before we talk about briefly about Burnley. Um, what did you make of Laporte's debut?
1: Yeah, it, it, you know, it was a brilliant debut, wasn't it? I mean, he—it's uh, hard to imagine anyone looking less nervous. Uh, I don't, you know. I know what you said about West Brom's forward line, and they're, they're decent, and they they offer a challenge of sorts, but not not on the day. No, we, I, I we were it so again. dominant. I mean, you know, I thought we were brilliant. By the way, I mean, I know we were we were profligate, but uh, we always are. But we we were we were very very good. I mean, you know, West Brom were coming off a, a big win at Liverpool, bit of confidence, playing okay, uh, and we. And, you know, and I, I think it was a bit not banana skin because, you know, given where we were and given the fact that United got beat, but um, we were very, very good.
0: Hmm. Um, do we have an issue with tackles? Is there a city-specific issue with tackling or is it more of a general one? You
1: know, a few weeks ago we talked about this. So we were talking about how teams are going to try, what, what teams are going to try against us. And, you know, they tried the high press, the low press, the low block, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And we talked about the next thing you're going to get somebody just says, look, let's just kick him off the park and let's just see what happens. And mm. it's happening, right? And uh, I think it's it's bad. Uh, I think um, they were, for me, they were both reds because I know what everybody I, – I, I don't know what this rule is. I think there's some confusion about whether you can go back and, and red card him having played the advantage. But, you know – it's a jump it's not a uh, there's no attempt to win the ball it's a jump and and, he, and 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 it's a foul and it's for me it's a red card and uh, and the second one the only saving grace i think for the referee is that i think it looks different from different angles and and the, obviously the guardiola angle and the one you know the famous shot the the famous shot that everybody's sending round from behind it looks like one of the worst challenges ever and i I have to say I don't understand why there's no retrospective on it for I know I know I don't mean it in terms of re examining yellow cards. It, I think that that challenge is a different challenge. It's one of those like the Ben Thatcher Elbow. Mm. It's just it's just a brutal, ridiculous ridiculous violent conduct. And then therefore I think it should be judged uh, retrospectively. But it's not gonna stop. I think you're gonna see more. I think I think you're gonna see frustration plus the inability to stop the team. I think you're going to see more tackles that we're very unhappy with, and now we're also all going to look at them, and so is the team and the manager with a filter that says everything's red, even more than we than we usually do. So I think it's going to be. Uh, is there any way that quite is, there,
0: is there any way that the management, the coaching staff, can somehow spin or the players can spin this into a positive? Is there is there any way to to take? This this type of um, opposition that we're facing, the types of tackles that we're facing, and somehow you know use it to motivate the team. Or I don't think they need it, do they? I
1: think they know how well they're playing. They know they know they know they're on. They know the the this is this is not not normal. Uh, they know why teams are trying to stop them like this. You know, you look at look at what De Bruyne says about the about that situation, that foul. He saw he, he knew what he was doing. He saw him coming. He knows it's a red card. he knows what to do about it because yeah. he you know so he's going to stay on his feet and put the ball in the net and then turn around and and celebrate but what can he you know so yes it's a great it's a compliment <laughs> but if somebody if somebody breaks their you know smashes their ankle ligaments and it's not much of a consolation is it
0: no. no so
1: i I think it's a problem because I think it could easily um one, there could be injuries, of course, but it could easily spill over as well. So I don't think it's a coincidence that Fernandinho put his studs in on somebody. And, you know, th- th- this could start to happen. And Neither you do start, I. You can start to get reactions. And then and then all of a sudden, you know, we're having the player with a three-match suspension.
0: Yeah. I, I said as much on the... Um, I think I said as much on the review pod after the West Brom game that I, kind of, I kind of fear that the next stage is... Because I think we've got two or three in that team, which is not a bad thing, actually. I think we've got two or three in that team who who will look after themselves and look after their teammates if needs be. Um, and I just worry that because it feels like it's becoming, you're getting exponentially more of those tackles uh, aimed at City with each passing match, that there is going to be a little bit of, you know, from one of our one or two of our players losing their basically losing their heads, and it's a lot easier to send a Man City player off, it seems, than it is to send an opposition player off. Um, in general, it's, it feels like it's a lot easier to give a decision to an opposition team than it is to get to give a decision to City. Well, so, I think
1: they're all incompetent, right? I, I don't take it personally. It. No, I don't take I it personally. Think, I think, I th- you know, I think how, how often do you go, you know, when they when they put the uh the the referee list out. How often do you go oh yeah not bad yeah we got him yeah he's yeah, okay yeah no no
0: chance never happens never
1: yeah. i mean you know it's it's just gr- grades of incompetence yeah. i feel sorry for them because i think it's very difficult you know without without any assistance i think it's it's an unbelievably difficult job but they're, but they're not they're not good referees i mean there's no. no and so i think the the risk is on both i think the the risk of a red card is the same on both sides but look burnley is a is one where, if you looked at it on paper, after what's happened over the last few weeks, it twelve thirty on a cold Saturday morning, uh, where and they've got lots of injuries, and you would think that we're going to dominate the ball and all of the usual things. You'd think that's a risky situation, wouldn't you?
0: Well, let's talk about that because I think with we, we did a decent review on on West Prob and I was interested in your kind of your feeling on the tackles and more than anything else the performance in general you loved it the West Brom performance didn't you?
1: Well I just thought it was more a kind of this team is just unbelievable this season Yeah, you know we're just I mean you're talking about they didn't they didn't have a shot not, not um, they didn't have a shot they didn't any, they first, were barely yeah. they were barely in our sort of final third in the yeah. entire game up to 88 minutes it's just unbelievable. This is in the Premier League. I think it's incredible. So, um, you know, and, and when we lose the ball, we just get it back immediately. I think it's just, uh, I think it's pretty, pretty incredible stuff. So, that, and I thought West Brom was a, a, another good example of it in a in a potentially tricky game uh, on a night when United and Chelsea get beat and we go 15 points clear. I thought that was reasonable to be quite happy about that.
0: So then if we look forward to Burnley... Um... The, the kind of the fact that they've got injuries, the fact that they're not necessarily in the best of forms, the fact that we're coming off what was an incredibly physical Wednesday night match and we play early on the Saturday. So firstly, it, should we even discuss banana skins? Because if the team are playing that well, then wouldn't you say that, well, the worst that can happen tomorrow is that we get a draw, which isn't really the end of the world.
1: What the worst life? happens is we get beat and we're only twelve points clear. I mean, it's not the end of the world. Mm. So there are, you know, I, I, it's sort relative in terms of banana skins. Um, I don't think the tiredness is a massive issue uh, given we played because I think we played a lot of that game against West Brom in second gear. Um, I'm not, I'm not that worried. I assume they've not done that much training this week. Um, I think we'll play our game. Usually, I'm not, I'm not too worried about. You know, I think we can we can lose a game. I don't think it's impossible to lose a game uh, uh, or draw a game. Uh, but I'm not not massively nervous about the game. Okay. Um, I mean, Burnley. I think it'd be a low scoring game. Hmm. And uh, Burnley can't score goals, and
0: but are very tight. How many have they? How many have they uh, scored at home? How many goals have Burnley scored at home? So
1: they only scored eight goals at home in 12 how, games. How many have they conceded? Nine. So they've got one of the best defensive records, but yeah. eight goals. I mean, just to put that into context, we scored 45. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, Arsenal, even Arsenal scored 31 at home. So eight goals in, in 12 home games is pretty special. Yeah, that is. Um, I mean, they've got a negative goal difference at home, despite being seventh in the league. So mm. they're a funny team, you know. I think the big surprise this season is how well they've done away from home, not at home. Yeah, you know they, they were they were always pretty decent at home, but actually lost five games at home this season. They're not. Um, they're they're very beatable, but um, it's the away form. I mean, obviously last year they couldn't win they couldn't win a single away game, and all of a sudden they're winning four or five. Mm. So do you, do you think you know, they're, they're not probably- a bad team? I know you love the manager. You think he's a you think he's the next city manager? So <laughs> anything's possible.
0: Listen. Um, do you think that the fact that they're safe and they're not going to be relegated? Do you think that with with a, with a side like Burnley who who overperforms in the first two thirds of the season in the way that they have, does that make the last third? Do they go go on the beach early, or do they get even more ambitious, or not ambitious? Not the right word. They become even more relaxed and and become even more difficult to play against because in a way. Knowing that they're safe gives them a bit more mental freedom.
1: I don't I, I don't think these teams are good, relaxed. I think ah, I you know, it only takes in the Premier League five five percent off your game and you get beat. Mm. And I I don't I don't see the relaxed beat. I think the tension and the need to win I think is really important. I mean their problem is they are definitely not going to finish sixth. So there's a massive gap to sixth. Um and well, maybe they do want to be in Europe. I don't know. Uh, I guess they're in the they're in the European race
0: with Leicester and Everton. Well, hold on, that's, um, they're seventh, aren't they? Yeah, yeah so, yeah. so they will get European football. Yeah, so they're not be- going it. So they they'll get the Europa uh, League because we're um, either well. How far or...
1: down is he going to go? Uh, seventh would be fine, but but the Leicester Leicester are only a point behind, nice. and Everton are four points behind. So. I, it it depends whether they want it. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. He's not stupid, even if you don't think he's the next city manager. He's not stupid to know that they couldn't cope with Europa League. Yeah. And it might be it might be fun and it might be a bit depressing that people would 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 plan like that. But he he's the sort of manager that might just do that, you know. He might just say, it just won't help us. Yeah. Um They've got a lot of injuries. I mean, Heaton, Brady, Ward I think
0: Tarkovsky could come back. Defoe's I was going to ask that he's been their best defender any this season.
1: Yeah, Woods out, uh, so he might be back. But um, Tarkovsky. But uh, yeah. but the rest of them, I think, are all out. You know, good time to play them. Um, their squad will not be able to cope with those kind of injuries in the way that we can. Um, but I, you know, I think on on the day. Things can happen, can't they? And uh, you know, maybe this will be the. There is maybe there is a red card in this one, and
0: that could swing it. Um, how, how does City line up tomorrow? Um, in fact, to just to widen that, do we need to protect uh, Sterling and, and Aguero uh, in the next four weeks by giving Brahim as many minutes as we can? What I'm trying to get out here is: is there an argument to almost? In games like Burnley, rotate one of those two in every single one of them to ensure that that neither of them goes down with an injury. you, you see what I'm saying before one yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Back.
1: Can you manage? Can we manage the squad now? I, I just, I doesn't feel like Burnley away is the place to for Brahim. Uh, maybe that's unfair, but I think he's ready. I think he's to me he's ready mm. uh, for for some minutes, but you know. I'd probably rather see him in a home game. We've got a gap, haven't we? After t- after tomorrow, for, we've got a week off.
0: Yes, I don't think we've got. We don't have a midweek game. We've we got a we don't week off. A game next week.
1: So I, I think you'll see a strong team. I think I think he'll. I don't think you'll see anybody rested. I think it'll be the same starting lineup as um, as um, Wednesday night with uh, Gundogan in for Silva,
0: probably. Mm. So you don't think you don't think Aguero will get a rest and he'll go with the false nine again. I don't think so, but maybe he's going to try something different with uh,
1: having another defender so if he's got stones back the other option is to go is to play five at the back I guess and play around with it and, and try something completely different mm. uh, I don't know I, he might it wouldn't surprise me now that he's got three defenders that he really rates and that he can rely on fitness wise if you start to see something different but again something I don't know different. whether Burnley is the right is Burnley away the right place after two days training with a new guy to start a whole new system?
0: See, I don't probably, see that. Probably I think, not. Yeah, I think. I think for me, I, I I think that the onus is on Guardiola to rotate one of Sterling or Aguero in in as many games as he can until he gets one of Jesus or uh, um uh, the uh, sorry Sane back because it's not for me it's not about it's it's equally about them getting injured and them getting ridiculously fatigued so but who's he bringing you know, in so who's he
1: bringing in What's well, the point about uh, about the, the the bench who's so, he bringing so, on
0: to be honest stefan and I, I know that you you will you will disagree but i think that this i think the right thing to do is to play bernardo and and Diaz and have raheem and, and aguero rotate as the forwards or have um bernardo and aguero rotate as the forwards or just do something like that to allow a, it's the point is it's doable we've played I'd, with that. i'd
1: probably do it
0: right so i probably would agree with you in terms yeah. of what i would do i just don't think he will yeah, I think I think if we're talking about tomorrow, I can the only argument that I could see him making for rotating one of those two is look, we played Wednesday night and we play early on Saturday and we've got two forwards injured already. I should probably give one of these two a rest today because I don't want and they both they both play ninety, don't they? Raheem and Aguero both play ninety on Wednesday night. Um so yeah, I mean we'll see, but for me. I think that's where it becomes a bit more possible. The, the rotation tomorrow is just the fact that we played on the Wednesday, and yeah, I, d- I do have that fear that if you play, if you keep playing both of those, and one of those two gets an injury, uh, yeah, then then I'm then we're worried. Well, even
1: I mean, just just he, just Aguero, I mean. Uh, you know, even if we had Sterling, for I, I don't think uh, we can go into Champions League games with just Sterling uh, as a, as a as our striker.
0: As the uh, central striker? No, I
1: mean, I, d- I don't think so. I mean, it, I mean, okay, it can be done, but it, I wouldn't feel comfortable about it. No,
0: I mean, I do, I do think that, and it, this is probably a, a conversation for a different podcast, but you know. I don't think that Aguero's place is guaranteed in any game against teams like Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Paris Saint-Germain. When he's talking about the best teams in Europe, uh, two-legged Champions League affairs, I just don't see Aguero's place being guaranteed. So I don't think that... I think that regardless of whether we have injuries or not, we could well end up with a situation where he doesn't play in away against Madrid if we get, uh, get Madrid away or something like that. I um, think if we had all of our
1: strikers, I would agree with you, but we haven't. You know, yeah. All of our forwards, we, we, don't, have, we don't have the complement to pick from. Yes. So I would agree with you in, in you know, if we do. Uh, but you know I think where we're we talking about having Aguero and Sterling only then i think i think you can guarantee that aguero will start those games but anyway yeah, let, we'll of see, course as you say for no, no, another no. day
0: yeah and and also like that in that circumstance where there's only those two fit it goes without it goes without saying um okay listen i think uh, i think that's more or less covers it the only thing i wanted to ask you is uh, now is to give me a prediction for uh for tomorrow's game do you think we get across the line and and at what level do you think yeah, we get two across nil, the line 2-0
1: 1 2-0 two, 2-1 two, two,
0: Two nil, two one. Yeah, Excellent. win.
1: Excellent. I, I, you know, I, I think we're uh, as I said, I think we're we're so good at the moment. Um, barring some kind of incident, injury, red card, some you know some kind of dodgy situation, I, I feel very confident we can win all these games.
0: Yeah. Um, oh yeah! One last thing I wanted to ask you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask everybody this over the next week or two. All the contributors, um, with the way the fixtures are panning out, what would you prefer? Would you prefer to win the title the week before we play United at the Etihad and have them have to give us a guard of honour, or would you prefer to beat them at the Etihad to win the title?
1: Uh, oh, I think guard of honour, doesn't it? Because the title's won regardless. So even if they win, what are they going to do? So they come to the Etihad and win and go just 12 points behind us. You know, I mean, they're not going to be able to celebrate that too much.
0: Yeah, it's just so, more about the, I think for me, I guess that... Guard of honour, God of honour. Yeah, but for me, I, I thought about the guard of honour, but then I was like, actually, no, I think I'd prefer to have them come knowing that if they lose, or in fact, if City take a point even, that City win the league. because It's that's, done
1: though right by by the 7th of April right? yeah, but it's done then, now
0: but then they know but then those they know celebrations the but you you can't really celebrate you can't properly you know that whole thing the explosion of we've just won the league to do that whilst man united are at, are at the etihad to have that moment of now we've won the league that yeah i, I, I have it.
1: to I, I have to tell you something that might upset you Go i on. don't think that we are going to have that moment this season because we are just so far ahead uh we're not going to have that kind of i think I think you might find it it's all a bit flat when we actually officially win it because we've just won it. we've, we've had it won for so long i don't
0: know man well i don't know how I don't know how
1: everybody I'm, not, else I'm not saying yeah. i'm
0: not saying it's not going to be enjoyable I'm just yeah. saying
1: it won't you know it's not being won in a moment or in a there's there hasn't been a tension there's no What's the tension? We've run away with it. I mean, I like yeah. it. I wanted a runaway league title, as did Howard. But the consequence of that is you don't have that, those moments,
0: those twists. Well, I think that for that very reason, I think that what would give us that moment would be if we had to beat United to win the title. And we did that at the Etihad on, in that game. I think then you get that moment. Yeah, maybe. Actually be- that creates the party. Exactly, because you beat yeah. United and you've won the title on the same day and they've got to sit sit through that and basically sit through your celebrations. That that kind of gives you the uh, Yeah, I like that.
1: Yeah. The celebration. And, and they could and we could um I remember that semi-final at Old Trafford when they locked us in at the end exactly exactly uh, we can lock them in we should lock them in yeah
0: so we lock them in for like two hours and make them just sit there oh i love it wonderful um hey Stefan. thank you very much right see you soon yeah to everybody who listened thank you very much um we will be back next friday with another friday show as you know we have the 9320 player costs four pounds a month 20 pounds for six months or 40 pounds for a year we do tons of shows we do reviews we do interviews history pods yeah Try and do as much content as we possibly can each month. If you're interested in that, go over to 9320.com and sign up. And to everybody who has already signed up, thank you very much for the support. We'll be back very soon.